sure is good to be saved tonight. Amen. And I thank God for uh, the opportunity to get to preach. And then uh, thank God for this church. I don't know where my family and I would be without this church. I thank you for making my family feel welcome uh, Sunday night. My, my sister's the piano player at her, her, their church. And Miss Sheila and you other piano players, you'll understand, she don't get to go to the altar very much. And uh, God moved on her and her family, gave them some help. Sunday night, and uh, I thank God for that, and uh, I, I want y'all to pray for us. Let's turn our Bibles to Mark chapter number 14 tonight. I'll just be honest, uh, God gave me a thought out of these verses several years ago and never let me develop it, and then a couple of months ago, I was in my study, I read over these verses, and God began to open up the scriptures to me, and uh, when God gave me this message, uh, He put it in my heart to preach it at Bible Baptist Church, and I've been itching to preach it. Here and I ask you to pray for me. I ask you to pray for us. We're leaving tomorrow, heading south, and we're going to the Sunshine State, Amen, of Florida. And y'all can laugh, Amen. And uh, God, God sends us to that foreign mission field every every year, the month of October. But uh, in all uh, all seriousness, y'all pray for our meetings down there. And I was telling Brother Charles that uh, other than maybe the last Wednesday night of this month, we probably wouldn't be back until the Sunday before Christmas, and he said he didn't like that. Amen? So, But I, I, I tell you all, we've enjoyed getting to be here while we've been off. And I ask you all to pray for us. Over the next five months, we're going to be going out of the country five and, uh, five and a half weeks. We'll be preaching outside of the country five and a half weeks. In serious, I'm not talking about Florida or Alabama. I'm talking about seriously out of the country. And I ask you all to pray for us and uh, going to be trying to work at raising some more support to pay for these meetings. And y'all just pray for us that God would touch us and let us see souls saved. Let's stand for the reading and reverence of God's Word tonight. Preacher, thank you for the opportunity to preach. Mark chapter number 14 and verse number 12. And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sendeth forth two of his disciples, I believe if we read in the other Gospels, it's Peter and John, and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water, follow him." And wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the goodman of the house, the master saith, Where is the guest chamber? Where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples. And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. And his disciples went forth and came into the city and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And in the evening become, uh, he cometh with the twelve, as, and as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they begin to be sorrowful and to say unto him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. And good were it for, it for that man if he had never been born. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and break it and gave to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit 
of the vine until the day, that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the mount of olives. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all you've done for us today. I pray that you forgive me of where I failed you since the last time we spoke. I pray that you fill me with the Holy Ghost of God tonight. Give us unction and liberty. I pray that you manifest yourself through the preaching of the Word of God. And Lord, that it would not fall on deaf ears. And Lord God, that you just help me tonight to preach what you put in my heart. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Might be seated. Now tonight, uh, I want to get into this by way of introduction in verse number 12. We see in these scriptures that it's a certain time. If you read this, it says it's the first day of unleavened bread when they killed the Passover. So what we know is this is right prior to, this is the week uh, the week of Calvary. This is right prior to the crucifixion. This is the Passover, the first day of unleavened bread where they put all the leaven out of their house. And historically, this is the setting for this text that they are about, Jesus is about to be crucified. He has done set his face towards the cross. He is about to be betrayed and you know the story. This is the time and the setting of our scripture and our text tonight. But then I see there's concern in this text. In verse number 12 again it says, his disciples said unto him, where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? Now if you study you'll know that this was the biggest deal for the Jews this Passover and if you study all even further that many of the Jews from out throughout Israel would come to Jerusalem and they would gather so it would have been a busy time and a crowded time. So these disciples being devout Jews as they were uh, and Jesus keeping the law and he fulfilling the law, it was very imperative that he kept the Passover meal. And Brother Brian, these Jews, these Jewish men were very concerned because they had not prepared. They had not gotten ready. But you'd think after three and a half years of seeing Jesus do what Jesus did, they wouldn't be worried anymore. But that's just our nature. Amen. So then we see the, the a certain time that it was, we see the concern. But in verse number 13, and this is what I want to draw your attention to tonight, the Bible says, And he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water follow him. And tonight I want to look at that command. Go find that man with the pitcher of water and follow him. And just for a little while tonight, and I, I, I'm not preaching to rebuke or nothing like that, but it is Pastor Appreciation uh, Month. Amen. October is. I, I, I'm i glad they had an Evangelist Appreciation Sunday last Sunday. Amen. If you were here Sunday, you know what I'm talking about. But I'm thankful uh, for the local church pastor, not just the ones I get to preach for every week, but I'm thankful for our pastor tonight, and if you'll allow me tonight, just for a little while, I want to preach this man uh, with the pitcher of water is a type of the, the pastor of a local New Testament church, and more and more specifically for Bible Baptist Church, I want to preach this man in our text, the man with the water, is a type of our pastor tonight, amen? And I want to preach just for a little while on following the man with the water, Follow 
following the man with the water. And the first thing we see about this man in this text is his persona. His persona. The first thing we see is that he is in fact a man. Amen? Thank God for that. Hey, listen, there is a, there is a famine of masculinity in our day. I, I'm telling you, I mean, you about got to wear a sign on you that says I'm a man. Most people do now. Uh, the men are dressing like women and the women are dressing like men and they're blending the genders and they're blending, blurring the lines. And friend of mine tonight, I'll tell you what we need. We need a revival of masculinity. We need a revival of men that'll stand up and be spiritual. We need a revival of men that'll worship. We need a revival of men that'll use the altar. We need a revival of men that'll get in the choir and sing for the glory of God. And I know it's Wednesday night church. I know this is the backbone of our church. But friend of mine tonight, we need some men to stand up. And that's what this man was. He was a man. Amen. Let me say this in passing. There's no such creature as a woman preacher. Amen. I mean, you'll hear somebody say, well, my pastor, she said we didn't have to live like that. Amen. Well, you messed up right there. Amen. I saw today an article where it was a Presbyterian woman bishop or something like that. And she was saying how Jesus wasn't God and all this. And I said, well, what do you expect? She can't even understand First Timothy 3. Well, how do you expect her to understand the rest of the Bible? Amen. It was a man. And I thank God we got a man for a pastor. Amen. I, I, we need that masculinity in our day. Amen. We need, you know why we're turning out a bunch of little sissies? You know they call this the Peter Pan generation. They never want to grow up and they're running around in tights. Somebody help me. Amen. And that's the generation. You know why? Because daddy goes and he's all consumed about making a living and that's well and good. But daddy won't teach the boys how to be men. Hey, some of these boys need their daddies to take them out in the yard and throw some dirt on them. Amen. I mean, that, a teenage boy ought not to be pale skinned. He ought to be outside all the time. Got muscles on his thumbs from playing Game Boy and PlayStation. Somebody help me now. Amen. Hey, we need a revival of manliness. Amen. Now, that ain't in my notes, but I felt like I said the right thing right there. Amen. We need a revival of manliness. Did you know effeminacy is a sin? 1 Corinthians 6, that's not talking about sodomy. They talk, it deals with sodomy in that text about unnatural affection. But preacher, effeminacy is a man that is acting soft and acting like a woman. It is a sin for a man to act effeminate. And if you have to put the word man in front of something to convince me it's manly, it's not manly. Man bun, man purse, man tights. Somebody help me, amen. Help me now. Amen. Hey, I, I, I don't want to have to put man in front of, hey, man in front to convince you, amen. Man, help me. Y'all pray for me now. Woo. Man, a lot of this going online too, ain't it? <laughs> Woo! Amen. Hey, we need a revival of men. Amen. Hey, young men, be just that. Be a man. And that don't mean be hard and, and grouse and not, not, not weep and not be, not be sensitive to the things of God. But that means to be sensitive to the things of God. That means have a prayer life. That means find your pine thicket. That means work with your hands. That means make a living for your family. That means walk with God. That means get, hey, to just stand up in a generation where all the men are wanting to be sissies. Hey, that's how I know the contemporary movement's wrong. It's because they're producing a bunch of skinny jean wearing, v-neck wearing, sissy men. Amen. 
Amen, preacher, that's right. That's how I know God's not within a million miles of the contemporary movement because of all these guys. Hey, they 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 getting Greek words tattooed on their arms and bunch of skinny jeans and they're wanting to be real soft and real soft spoken. Amen. Hey, I'm not against teaching, but God didn't ordain teaching to get the world saved. He ordained preaching and teaching's fine. Amen. But we still need some men that'll rear back and preach in our generation. And I thank God at Bible Baptist Church we've got a man for a pastor he was a man he, was, there was, he has no name he wasn't concerned about building a name for himself and I don't believe if anything I've learned from brother Ricky Gravely is to be humble when, when brother Jonathan got to singing I'm nobody special no ruler and a king and brother Gravely was the first one to amen that and I don't believe that's false humility brother Danny and he probably don't like me preaching like this but I'm going to preach like this tonight he asked me to preach amen hey I believe that he's not trying to build his name I believe he's trying to build up the name of Christ and a real man of God will not be concerned about building his name or building his ministry or building his work if you want to call it that a real man of God will be solely concerned about having no name and about building up the name of Christ this man had no name this man was nothing more than a servant do y'all realize that the room that he led the disciples and Jesus to wasn't even his house you look at verse number 14 it says when you get there say to the good men of the house this was not even, this wasn't even this man's house, Brother Brian. And I'm glad Brother Gravely doesn't go around like a ruling with a rod of iron and lording over us. I'm glad he's pastoring, not lording, because this isn't his house. This isn't the deacon's house. This isn't the lady's house, amen. This isn't the floral decoration committee's house. This is God's house. And all he is is a servant for the goodman's house, amen. This man's a servant. This man has no name. And I'll just be honest with you all. We really know about the only thing that defines this man is that he's the man with the water. In the Word of God, the water, moving water is the type of the Holy Ghost, but this isn't moving water. This is still water that this man's got. And Brother Brian, in the, in the Word of God, still water is a picture of the Word of God. If you go to Ephesians 5, what does it say? By the washing of water, by the Word. Amen. Brother Laddie, it's good to get a good bath in the Word of God. But here we got a man that his sole purpose in life, it's not to make a big living. It's not to even build up his house or to build up his name. The sole purpose in his life is to every morning he gets up and he carries the water until the evening. He carries the water. And when he gets up, the next day. It's not scratching your head time wondering what you're going to do. This man with the water, all he's known for is carrying the water. Amen. Would to God, listen to me young preachers, it doesn't matter personality and Brother Gravely helped me with this when I came here. Personality will only get you so far. Charisma will only get you so far. Knowledge will only get you so far. But if you'll, if you'll purpose in your heart, young men of God, to just get in that book and carry the water every time you step behind the book board, whether it's on the street corner, whether it's at the nursing home, whether it's at the radio station, whether it's at the jail, or whether 
whether it's standing right there, you get the water and you carry it and let yourself be known. And you may, nobody may ever ask you to sign their Bible. You may never pastor a thousand people, but when you die, let it be said of you that you was a man that carried the water. That's what the more, the further I go, Brother Brian, I don't want nobody to know my name. I don't want nobody to know who I am. I just want to be the man. If they, if they put that on my tombstone when I die, it sure would make me happy. The man that carried the water. Amen. And y'all are around here a lot more than I am, but I do listen to the podcast. I've been, September was six years since God brought me here. Brother Brad, I've never heard Brother Gradley flop. Amen. 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 Now he may disagree because we all get we beat ourselves up. We're our own worst critic. And Miss Nolita may disagree. I'm just I'm just kidding. But you know what I can always count on when I come in here and he 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 t- turns that book open? It's not gonna be thus saith Ricky Gravely. It's gonna be thus saith the Lord. And I'm glad that my family and my home, and my marriage, and my children. I'm glad that this generation in this area has got a place where there's a man that's carrying the water. Amen. So I see his persona. Y'all still with me? Say amen. Everybody that's not here tonight needs to get a copy of this. Not because I'm preaching it. Because I need to hear this about our pastor. Amen. Then I see the pressure. Following when the man with the water, we see the pressure that he's under. In verse number 13, it says he's bearing a pitcher of water. Now, I don't have to, we don't have to be brain scientists to understand that if he's bearing something, that means he's under a load. It's not easy carrying the water. There's a burden and there's a responsibility carrying the water. See, everybody wants to tell the pastor how to run the church, but nobody wants to carry the water. Nobody wants the burden of carrying the water. Hello, amen. What is it? If he preached every Sunday and every Wednesday, every time we're, uh, we have, that'd be what? Three times five, that's 50, 156 times. Is that right? 156 times? Y'all know the burden to stay fresh? And uh, Brother Laddie, to stay fresh and to stay, stay in the book and to stay in the people to keep hearing you? There's a burden, there's a pressure. Hey, this man with the water, while everybody, Brother Lamar, while everybody else was in bed, before he could go get the water for the people at the Goodman's house, he had to get up real early. And that man with the water had to get up real early. And he had, they didn't have running water at that time. They didn't have a pump inside the house. Most of them didn't even have wells out beside the house. This man, before he could ever even go get the water for the Goodman's house, he had to get up real early. He had to get his bucket. He had to get his pitcher. And he had to go make sure he had some water for himself. And then while everybody else is still asleep, he had to go back and get some water for his own family. And then before he could leave, he had to make sure his whole family had water for the day. And then once he... 
day, he, he finally, everybody else is starting to stir. He goes back to the well. Now second or third time for the morning. He's been up for hours. He's been out there drawing out that deep water. Drawing out that cool water for them deep wells. Are y'all with me now? And Brother Brad, he goes back another time because he knows there's some people down there at the Goodman's house. He knows that they're dealing with some things. He knows their kids are thirsty. He knows there's some marriages that are thirsty. He knows there's some homes that are thirsty. And he just keeps going back to the well. He goes back one more time. He drops the bucket a lot deeper. And I'll tell you, he's done been three, two or three times this morning. He's got to make it all the way to the Goodman's house. He's done been back and forth. I mean, he's probably got water all over him. Hallelujah. Amen. Hey, I'm telling you, he's done tasted of the water. Uh, but he's probably getting a little weary, Brother Brian. And he's carrying that water back. And he probably says, you know, if I just dump, dump a little bit of this out, it'd sure be a lot easier to carry. If I just if I just didn't get as much water when I went, if I just eased off on the load of water, hey, no, but friend, he doesn't give up. He just carries that full bucket of water down to the Goodman's house because he knows that day there's going to be somebody at the Goodman's house that's going to be thirsty. Woo! Hallelujah. Hey, there's a burden. There's a pressure on on our man of God. Hey, he gets up and first and foremost, he's got to get himself some water every day. And Brother Lamar, I don't believe he'd do the preaching in that pulpit that he does if he wasn't getting water for himself first. Amen. And then he's got to make sure his family's got water. I'll tell you one thing, and he'll tell you too. I I know his kids aren't perfect. My kids aren't perfect. Your kids aren't perfect. But I I'll tell you one thing I saw about his two daughters is that they love their parents. They love the things of God. They love the church of God. Hey, and they hey they marry good godly men, even if it was Brian and Grant. Amen. Hey, but I'll tell you this thing that hey, that says something about a man that went and got the water for his family. I see a lot of men that leave their families behind and let them go to the world and let somebody else raise their kids. But I thank God that no matter the pressure, Brother Danny, and no matter of the burden. I'm sitting at tables and I about, I about lost my religion and hit a preacher one day. He was talking bad about preacher. That about how they he wouldn't let uh, wouldn't let the girls watch horror movies growing up. And I said, and he thought I'd get a kick out of it and giggle. I said, sir, I sure am glad he didn't. Amen. They didn't have nothing else to say. Amen. They just went quiet. Hey, don't, if you got something bad to say about this man right here, please don't say it to me because I believe he goes and gets the water for himself. I believe he goes and gets the water for his family. And I believe that every day on a daily basis while we're still in bed, while we're still wiping sleep sleep out of our eyes, Brother Dave, I believe we've got a man of God that's going to the well for us and getting the water for our families. Amen. You'll never know the pressure. You'll never know how it breaks a preacher's heart to study all week and have a family on his heart and have that water especially for them and they'll never come through the door. I grew up in a pastor's home. You say, preacher, you never pastored. That's right, but I have grew up in a pastor's home and it's a wonder that any pastor's kids turn out.
I'd watch my daddy weep and be burdened over, over families and pour himself into a message and, and tell me that he's got a message that he thinks would help that family and them not show up. For the man with the water went to bed every night while everybody else was in bed resting. He'd have that burden on his heart. He'd have that pressure on his heart and he'd have to make sure that everybody at the Goodman's house had water before he went to bed. He had to make sure his family had water before he went to bed. All through the day, he had to make sure he had water. And friend of mine, you'll never understand the pressure that the man of God's under. You know, when we go to bed tonight, you know, when we go to bed tonight, we'll, we'll have our burdens on our hearts. But when he goes to bed tonight, he'll have his burdens on his heart and he'll have all your burdens on his heart. I've been with him. I travel with him. I, 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 know, I know what I'm talking about. He'll go to bed, Brother Daniel, with somebody on his heart and sometimes he might not even be able to get to sleep good and he'll have to get up and he'll have to go down to the study or have to go to another room and some hotel or something somewhere because he's got a burden for a family in the church. Somebody, a family that's about to bust out or some kids that's about to go the wrong way or, or a mama or a daddy that's about to lose their mind and he'll have them on their heart and he'll say, I need to go get some water for them. You'll never understand it. You'll never understand. Nobody in this church, and I ain't belittling the church. I believe we've got a great church. I believe we treat our pastor good, and I believe we ought to treat him as, as good as we can. But nobody will understand the burden that he's under like his, his wife. Amen. And let me say, just as if you, please don't tell me how much you love God if you don't love church. Don't tell me how much you love Jesus if you don't love his bride. And please don't tell me how much you love this man if you don't love that lady sitting right, right over there. Amen. Would you agree there's no other, no other support system like your wife? I know men that can preach circles around me, a lot of men, but they don't have ministries tonight because their wife won't get behind them. But I'm going to tell you right now, I've got a wife and she's in the nursery right now. It's just that time in our life she's going to spend a lot of time in the nursery. We figured that out. But preacher, I couldn't do it. All that money she was making, had a house, never had to leave her hometown, marry me, and I'm ugly to begin with, but then she marries me. And Brother Danny, she only drove three miles to church every Sunday, and she drove a mile to work every day and went to Walmart every three weeks. And now she gave up, she gave up all that security to follow me around the country. Most women wouldn't do that, preacher. Most women aren't cut out for it. And that's not the church's wife, that's the pastor's wife. And I want to say it again, if, you, if you've got a problem with her and say you love him, you've got a real problem because they, they too are one flesh. Amen. I, I believe that with all my heart and I'm about to shout and sign my own Bible. I believe you ought to respect the pastor's wife. And if you've got a problem with her tonight, listen, I want to stop right there. If you've got a problem with her or the pastor or anybody else in this church, we've got it in our mind in this day. We just push it under the rug and we just get right with God and we, make a, we, we, we worry about that vertical, but we don't worry much about that horizontal. Can I say this tonight? If you're wrong with somebody in this room, you can't be right with God. If you're wrong with somebody here, if you're wrong horizontally, you'll never be right vertically. Right. Amen. Yes, 
Amen. How can you love God whom you've not seen if you hate your brother whom you have seen? Amen. Don't tell me. Please, please, please. Don't tell me you're right with God if you're not right with His bride. Don't tell me you're right with the preacher if you're not. I don't know if there's any problem. I don't know if anybody's got anything in it. So I can't believe anybody would. But I'm going to tell you right now, friend, people don't leave this church because it's too loose. Amen. They, 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 get, they, they leave this church because the preacher won't quit carrying so much water. They leave this church because they want him to just pour a little out of the top so it ain't so heavy. They want him to, they, they never, and you tell me one instance where somebody left this church and went to a stronger church. Amen. I'll give you a hundred dollar bill. Amen. In this area, tell me somebody that left this church and went to a stronger church. And it always ends up, well, that preacher's a legalist or that preacher's... No, our preacher carries the water. Hey, I'm telling you, our preacher gets up and he carries the water and people, they don't have a problem with the preacher. They've got a problem with the water. You ought to get behind the preacher. You ought to check his tires about every two months on both vehicles. You ought to check his tires. I know this ain't popular preaching, but it's right preaching. Hey, he gave his life. Do you realize when he surrendered to God, you've heard him tell it, he, he started pastoring on a Friday, no, got married on a Friday night. Uh, what was it? Graduated Friday night, got, got married on Saturday, and Sunday took his first church, and then he said if he would have smoked pot, it would have been that Monday. That's my favorite part of that story. But when he surrendered his life to God and surrendered his life to the ministry... He put his finances and his family and his future in God's hands. And you know what God did? He gave them to us. And we ought to take care of his family. We ought to take care of his finances. We ought to take care of his future. I mean, uh, just on purpose, amen. Take care of the man of God. He's under pressure. Let him know you appreciate him. Don't take it for granted that he just knows. Lift him up. Buy his wife a gift. Lift her up. Hey, get behind him. And hey, take some of the pressure off the man of God. Amen. I see his path. I see his persona, his, I see his pressure, but I see his path. Watch this. Think about the vagueness of these instructions. Brother Brian, the Lord tells two disciples, he says, go down in this town. I don't even give the name of the town. He says, go down in this town. Go down there and there's going to be, go to this street and there's going to be a man walking around bearing a pitcher of water. I mean, no road signs. No landmarks. He said, you just go down there and I promise you that there's going to be a man bearing the water down there. Brother Paul, the Lord Jesus had so much faith and trust in this man because you know what this man did every day? He, bear, he carried the water. The Lord didn't have to wonder if he was going to be over here playing ball. He didn't have to wonder if he's going to be over here hey, laying out or, or doing this or doing this. The Lord knew that every day at that exact time that there would be a man in that path that would be carrying the water and the Lord trusted him so much that he took his men and he said, I'm going to put you under this man with the water. He's going to be exactly why I said, not because I make him, but because he's faithful and because he's Hey, he's steadfast and he's done movable and he's just going to keep bearing the water. Hey, and friend, he said, I'm going to, I trust him so much that I know you fellas don't need much direction. You just go find that man with the water. 
Aren't you glad God put a man with the water in your life? Hey, I'm telling you, I grew up. I grew up here in the gospel. I didn't grow up here in heresy, Brother Caleb. I grew up here in the gospel because God called a leather lung, little short, fat preacher man, hey, to preach. And Brother Vermin Palmer got up every Sunday and every Wednesday and he preached and he carried the water. And one Sunday night, I quit hearing it up here and started hearing it here. I thank God for a daddy of my early childhood memories was painting the church and vacuuming in the church and my daddy getting up on Sundays and preaching the gospel and people after people we have one year 54 people walked the aisle at Ridge Road Baptist Church and got saved I got to mark them all down in back of my Bible and I was so proud of my daddy because you know what he did he carried the water and then God moved me up here and he put a man he said you just go up there to Rossville Georgia and there'll be a man you won't have to guess about it because he's the one in the area that's carrying the water and you just get behind that man and you follow that man wherever he goes. God put your family here. And it, hey, it, I wouldn't let my feelings, or he might preach against something you don't like. I wouldn't let none of that get me out of this church. I wouldn't let nary a bit of that get me out of this church because God told you to go find the man with the water in Rossville, Georgia and told you to follow him. And you say, well, there's probably somebody real super spiritual here tonight, Brother Danny, and say, well, that sounds like preacher worship to me. Let me say this. I'll take it a step further. When you're following him, if God puts you here, when you're following him, you're following what the Lord says. And if you go against him, you mark her down, there will be judgment. There will be judgment. I've got too many stories. My, I, I got somebody near and dear to my heart, one of the most talented men I've ever met. And preacher, in the 90s, God, uh, he, he started playing rock and roll music and was playing piano at the church. Y'all don't miss this now. And the preacher went to him and said, Son, you can either keep playing the piano at the church or you can quit going out and playing that rock and roll music. And he quit playing the piano at the church and went and joined a contemporary outfit and kept playing rock and roll music. Because nobody at the contemporary church cares what kind of music you play. And the past 15 years, he's been on his back. And I don't say that with joy. But you better follow the man with the water God's putting. There's probably somebody real spiritual here, Brother David, that said, well, how do I know when to quit following him? When he quits carrying the water. I believe he'll agree with me. If he ever gets out of that book, quit following him. We're not talking about lordship. We're not talking about blindly following anybody. I'm talking about a man with the water and I've, I listen to him preach. He's mentored me. He's pastored me. And brother lad, I believe with all my heart he's carrying the water and as long as he's carrying the water, you just keep following the man with the water. Get in the path behind the man with the water. And hey, and in this day when there's nothing but hirelings and a bunch of men that's casual and a bunch of men that's dropping the barrier and dropping the standard. Hey, don't don't go join up with the big crowd down the road. Hey, just stay right here. And if the crowd keeps getting smaller, just keep following the man with the water. You know what? You'll have to get in the water yourself if you're going to know if he's in the water or not. It's, it's, it's accountability. Amen. I'm almost done. Hey, the best place your kids could ever be is not at the ball field. 
and not, not, down, at, not down at some extracurricular activity. You say, well, it builds character. What do you think church will build? You show them that that's more important than the church house now, they'll never darken the door of the church when they get out of, church, or when they get out of the house. You put the precedence on this place, God will take care of it. I believe that with all my heart. Follow the man with the water. Get in that path. I see, I'm almost done. I see the place. And I'm not going to read all these verses. But he led them to the goodman's house. If you'll follow the man with the water, he'll lead you to a place where the presence of Christ is. That's where he led them. He led them to the goodman's house. That's where the presence of Jesus was. He led them to a place of remembrance. What were they celebrating? The Passover. He was, sell, he was reminding them. He took them to a place so there could be a remembrance of them coming out of Egypt. He took them to a place of remembrance where a lamb was slain. He took them to a place of remembrance when their sins were covered by the blood. And if you'll follow the man with the water, he won't just take you to a place of the presence of God. He'll take you to a place where you can remember where you got redeemed, where you got saved at. Amen. He'll take you to the place. Took him to a place of fellowship with the brethren. If we live, nobody's perfect. He's not perfect. We're not perfect. But if we live what he preached, there'd be nothing hindering any fellowship with the brethren in this church. Led them to a place of worship. Last thing they did before they went to the garden is they all got together and sang a song and worshiped the Lord. But I see, and I'm done. If I can get a piano player, is that all right? I see that following the man with the water, there's protection. And don't miss this. Brother Daniel, as long as Judas was where the man with the water led them. He, he never betrayed Christ. He never committed suicide. He never faced regret. He never faced agony. As, boys, as long as, as long as Judas stayed where the man with the water led him, none of those bad things happened in his life. But preacher, the moment that that man, Judas, walked away from where the man with the water led them, Everything broke loose in his life. He betrayed Jesus. He didn't just betray the brethren. He betrayed Christ. And you mark her down, friend. You quit following where the man with the waters led you. You get out of this place, this place of protection. I'm not saying this is the only church in the world. I preach in a lot of good churches. But I'll tell you this, there ain't a church around here like this. And I, I, you can sign it and put it in the Rossville paper and the Fort Oglethorpe paper and the Ringgold paper that I said so. There ain't nothing like this around here. You mark it down, friend. This is a place of protection for you and your family. Story after story, he could tell a people that rose up against the, the preaching, the water that was being carried. They used to sit on these front rows and they moved back and back and back and then they just moved right on out the door people that are in judgment today but Paul people that no longer have a family today people that preacher if you just ease up on this and preacher if you just ease up on that people that were more just like Judas were more concerned about some money 
than they were sitting at the feet of Jesus. Friend of mine, you better be careful tonight. You better be careful tonight. I got friends tonight that are under the judgment of God because they rose up against the man of God. I've, I've, I've went to graves, Brother Danny, of people, women and men alike, that, that rose up against the man of God and three months later they were laying in the grave. You know what I'm talking about down in Roanoke, Alabama. There's a grave down there where the woman rose up on the man of God on the front porch and now she's in the grave. I can take you down to up above Calhoun, Georgia about a man that rose up against the man of God down there and today his own sons will tell you he's dead and in the grave because he rose up against the man of God. There's protection here. You just keep following the man with the water. You say, how do you give an altar call like this? If you're wrong with the preacher or the preacher's wife or the preacher's kids or anybody else in here, you ought to, during the altar call tonight, you ought to go to them. I'll never forget a few years ago we had a confession service in here and we went into a spirit. You remember that, Brother Dave? About two hours one night, people confessing stuff. You ought to get right with the man of God. You ought to get right with his wife. I'm not talking about going up and saying, well, if I did anything to offend you. No, you know that's not an apology. I don't know if anybody's wrong with him tonight. But if anything, we ought to be good to the man of God tonight. We ought to love on him, love on his wife. We ought to get in this altar. You boys ought to get in this altar and thank God you won't have some sissy, limp-wristed liberal or some hireling that calls himself old-fashioned but wouldn't hit a lick of a snake if it was wrapped around his neck and biting him in the jaw. You ought to get in this altar tonight and thank God you got a man of God that gets up and preaches to you every Sunday and every girl's get in the altar and thank God you got a pastor that's got a backbone. Hey, and no matter where the world goes, he just stays the same. Hey, I talked to people that knew Ricky Gravely back in the 90s. And brother, brother Jeff, they say he's the same today as he was in the 90s. And of everybody changing and everybody backing up in our day, I'm glad we've got somebody. Hey, we've got a man with the water that keeps following Jesus and keeps pouring out the water for our families. Amen. We ought to love on him, love on his wife. Or to get in this altar tonight and thank God for him. They say, preacher, it's like you're preaching about a man. No, I'm preaching about the man that's following Jesus. We ought to love him tonight. Let's all stand. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. These altars is open. You do what God bids you to do. Brother Brian, you go ahead. Do what God bids you to do. You boys, it wouldn't be hurt nothing to go and hug his neck tonight. You men, you ladies, go and hug her neck tonight. Wouldn't be nothing wrong with that. Very bad. If you're wrong with them tonight, you are, you better get right. You better just go and get it right. Not if I've done anything, but go to them and just get it right. Might want to go stick a piece of money in their hand tonight. For Jesus, but